The NBA offseason still in full swing. The Suns patiently waiting now that their roster is mostly complete to see what types of shenanigans the rest of the league gets into. But on today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll talk about our lingering questions for the Phoenix Suns heading into the rest of July and beyond. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at Suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Happy Thursday. Welcome. Back to the work week. If you had some time off, I took Tuesday off, so no Wednesday show for you all, but we will be here every single day of the offseason and beyond. All you got to do is hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding this show. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Just search Locked On Suns wherever you listen or watch. Joining today, as he does every single week, is Aaron Edwards. We're going to go back and forth on our biggest lingering questions. We know who's on this team for the most part, although that's not fully uh, cemented yet with some non-guarantees and everything else, but we know that what is on our mind now, and especially as the rest of the league gets their rosters together, we're going to find out uh, what is still to come for this Suns team, how they'll play and everything else. Today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Aaron, before we jump in, are you a, a summer league guy? I don't know. I don't know the depths of your basketball nerddom. Are you Are you going to be uh, tuning in? Yeah, I mean, I love summer league. Um, I was gonna go like this year, I think, but it just like fell through. And I was gonna go last year too, but I ended up just having to do like a bunch of job stuff in general. So that was just gonna be hard to pull off. But one of these years, I'm just gonna do full NBA psycho mode and just go down there and see everybody. I hear it's like a big party. <laughs> <laughs> it pretty much is. It's it's crazy. It's honestly at this point one of those things where it's it's wild to me that they still play in like these old gyms. Like just yeah. the, just the tiny like for anybody who has been there like as far as the actual basketball part do not feel like you're missing anything. I mean it's cool because you're <laughs> close and you get to see like the the celebrity players who come courtside and like all that stuff. And you're kind of right there, but, and the basketball to be able to see, like, I mean, Wembenyama like right there is obviously unique, but, uh, it is like a, I would probably compare it to ASU's arena. If I'm being like, that's kind of the vibe. Um, so it's, yeah. <laughs> it's weird that that is happening at the same time as like the Vegas side of everything, uh, is happening, but I guess we're getting Victor in a real game, which, I did not think would like happen. Five minutes, probably. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I'm like, this is going to be a Zion situation. There might not be an earthquake this time, but uh, he's not going to he's not going to play more than more than for just a bit. Um, that's an interesting conversation for maybe locked on Spurs. Just the the injury management going on with that guy. But yeah, the Suns roster should be interesting. We'll probably have a, a little bit of a preview on tomorrow's show of just kind of who to watch for, what to watch for, etc. But today we're going to go through our biggest remaining questions. Coming off of free agency weekend, Lillard, Harden, all this stuff still up in the air. The Mavs just gave Matisse Thibel an offer sheet, but the Suns have 16 guys. So I think for right now, we're kind of in the clear. Um, so 
I'll let you go first as far as what kind of questions are still on your mind as we head toward, you know, training camp in a couple months here. Um, I just think uh, my biggest question, well, not biggest, but the, my first one was, was team-wise, we've been, we were 22nd in three-point attempts last year. We were 28th the year before, and we just have ball handlers on the floor now. And, like, technically you can't double them, but people are going to double. I just want to see, like, what does this team look like if we get to top 15, if we can get to 16, even 17? I want to see what that looks like with just the open shots we're going to get. Can we get that number up? So you told you told me one that we might have overlapped on, and now we already found a second one. <laughs> I literally had this. I knew you were going to go for that the one. Same exact thing. Because, um, <laughs> like, I, there's been a lot, like, the graphics are out there of, like, eight guys who shot better than 45% or what, I don't even know what it all is. And and then the Yuta Watanabe thing of like 51% on corner threes and very July NBA uh, viral content, but they were, yeah. So 22nd in attempts, they were 18th and three point frequency, which is just obviously like how, what, what percentage of their total shots um, came from deep 18th is not good either. They were seventh in accuracy, though, and I feel like that kind of speaks to what Suns fans were frustrated by a lot with this team was like they had the shooters, especially last year with guys like Damian Lee playing more and, um, you know, Landry Shamit even, who, if nothing else, can kind of make an open three when he takes it. All that stuff was there. Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges for most of the year. No Crowder, but you know maybe that's a good thing in terms of three-point shooting. And Book, of course, making a lot of the ones when he's out there and then KD by the end. And so they had the talent. A lot of it's still there in terms of Booker and, and KD and Lee, but obviously you add Eric Gordon, you add Yuta Watanabe. Uh, Keita Bates-Diop, I feel like, is not getting enough attention on the shooting side of things. He shot 47% on wide-open threes last year and 41% overall on just catch-and-shoot. So I know he was on the Spurs, and I've joked, like, you go through that roster and it felt like everybody had a career shooting year last year, like Josh Richardson came back out of the dead to you know, resuscitate his career and everything. But I believe it. If you're, if you're going to make those shots when you're open, you're going to be even more open now. I, I buy that. So, and then obviously Beal. So that's interesting to me. I looked at the Lakers side of this though, Aaron, from the two best years with Vogel, and they were in the bottom half of the NBA in frequency both years. And uh, really any way you look at it, they did just did not, in the playoffs versus the regular season, like there's really no way to, to slice it where they were like a prolific shooting team. I wonder though, if that is like a Vogel thing or just like a Palinka and the roster thing. Cause I think Vogel's just going to let these guys kind of play whatever way makes the most sense. And if they have shooters more than the Lakers had shooters, then they'll probably just shoot threes. Yeah. I think, um, 80, like Anthony Davis kind of went on fire from deep during that run that they had and like the way people played them even like, yeah, you're going to live with LeBron taking threes. You're going to live with Kyle Kuzma taking threes. You're going to live with Anthony Davis taking threes and they died by it. But like the way those rosters were set up were like, yeah, let them shoot. And you're just going to see Caldwell Pope. He was one of their best shooters and like, yeah, like he was hitting, but you were going to live with that. Yeah. I think the way that their rosters were constructed is yeah, you're kind of going to live with them, do that. And they just attack the paint and they just kept attacking you. So it's like a little different that way. Like we're built around ball handlers and dudes that can make really like make hard jumpers at a good clip 
and make really easy ones at a great clip. So yeah. I think that's mostly where we're playing at. Yeah, and they played big more than I think the Suns will, or at least, like you mentioned with Davis, Suns are going to play big because KD is, is you know, 6'10", 7 feet, but he's a shooter at, at that size, whereas Davis was kind of a, a second center who just, you know, he can handle the ball so you make it work. But they had Dwight and JaVale on the court all the way basically up until the end of the conference finals. And so that's obviously going to bring things down because those guys aren't spacing the floor for you. And then even Caruso. So, yeah, it was just a different type of roster. And I'll get to one part of it that is uh, like a good indicator from what those teams did for the Suns, too. But it's just going to be different. So I do think plus you you realize like Kevin Young is is really going to be running the offense, whereas, yeah, you know, that, that was one of my questions later. <laughs> OK, perfect. So whereas like that one, you know, that that year, the offense I mean, I don't even know who technically was in charge of it, but it was a lot of uh, it was Lionel Hollins and Jason Kidd who are, you know, a little more old fashioned in how they do things. And then a bunch of the guys who are now on this staff, I think it was this Mike Penberthy guy uh, who's now with the Mavs, who was kind of the offensive dude in, in, in L.A. with with Vogel. I don't know what his deal is, but I would hope Kevin Young would, if nothing else, kind of say, hey, like we got the talent. Let's go ahead and and let it fly. Um, yeah. I'm just excited to watch this team. Like it, whatever element you want to bring up, I think it's going to be much more fun basketball than maybe we've had since like, I mean, obviously the 64 win season was really fun, but they, they kind of messed around a lot that year. And it was a lot of those clutch games. I think there's going to be some nights this year where it's like 130 to 100 and it's over by the you know start of the fourth quarter. Yeah. I think a lot of the times we kind of did just get math to death. And I think with a team like this, it's kind of going to be impossible because we can answer runs and we can get to the line with a lot of these dudes and we can stop runs. And I think Vogel is one of those dudes that he's one of those type of coaches that can kind of make a game ugly to stop runs because he's a defensive coach. And I think that's going to be like the bigger part is when we kind of go cold, like rarely, like he's going to come up with something to just kind of muck it up. And I think you need a coach like that sometimes. All right, let's go to play style because I think that's where we both have a couple of questions. <laughs> uh, mine is on defense. It sounds like yours may be on offense. So we'll we'll talk about how things could evolve a little bit under uh, Kevin Young having more of a role, Frank Vogel obviously in here, and what this roster tells us about that side of things, strategy and everything else. First, today's show brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is really uh, changing the game, making it easier, making it more efficient to get the help that you need. And it doesn't have to be anything extreme. We all deal with things in our lives that can lead us down this path. We're faced with tough choices. The path forward might not be clear. Whether that's uh, career, relationships, anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you're navigating your own life. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it is gets so it does not have to be something extreme it does not have to be trauma or the passing of some person that you're close with or these ways that we think about what therapy has to be when it's this easy when it is this straightforward and when you can switch around at your uh, leisure makes it that much better if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. 
On to question number two from Aaron and I as we look forward to the season, look backward on the roster that just got assembled. I will start us off this time, Aaron. My thing is, my question is, will the Suns change how they play defense and how? Um, obviously, that's like kind of top of everybody's mind with Vogel because that's what you bring him in here to do. I've talked about it a lot with Aiton, just in, you know, we saw it like, various times in like games four and five against Denver where everybody was like the Leonardo DiCaprio and once upon a time in Hollywood meme, you know, pointing at the screen, but it was too late by that point. And I think it was frustrating a lot for Suns fans to watch, you know, the clear talent that that dude had, even though he is a frustrating player, there were just whole chunks of what his, his talent is that weren't getting used because, um, Monty just didn't want to, you know, get out of, get uncomfortable basically defensively. So, The stat that I'm, I'm looking at um, is that the, Sun, the Lakers were a top five transition defense the year they won the title. And that has kind of fluctuated for the Suns at times. I just think the, the, the Suns are going to own the transition game. And I think that's kind of where I start here. I don't know if that's really an adjustment on how they will play, but I would say maybe compared to this past season, a lot less attacking the offensive glass, which they really tried to do. And, you know, just saying we're not going to turn the ball over. We're going to get back on defense, and you're not getting easy points on us. You're not controlling the pace of these games, and we're going to make you know we're going to make it hard for you to get anything easy. I think that'll be at least like step one of how they might evolve their kind of philosophy on that end of the floor. Yeah, I think that's kind of where um, Vogel and the Aiton thing might work is the confidence he's going to put into Aiton on defense. I think he's going to give him a lot more to do. He's going to show him that he's confident in him early. I think Aiton's going to be asked to do stuff that he was never asked to do before early, and it might look bad at first. But I think showing that, like, yeah, we'll let this switch happen, and we're just going to keep this moving and just stuff like that. Like, it's not going to be a bunch of drop coverages and hoping he doesn't get ate up by some of these dudes. I think he's going to give him, like, real confidence to kind of go out there and show if he, like, really has the the skills to really – hold this defense together and to do some of the hard stuff. Cause uh, Durant's a really good at uh, guarding the basket too. Like yeah. he's a really like, and I think just having those two kind of anchors, you can let Aiton try some stuff out and give him the confidence and show him that you trust him to do some of this stuff. Absolutely. I think, uh, yeah. And, and like it is, there is a benefit of having a full off season. So like, you know, I do think, some sometimes being so hard on in the spur of a moment in the playoff series, something not happening is easy to do. But the real problem is, you know, and this is some, this is like the number one reason that I, I thought switching off of Monty, no matter who, before we even knew who it was going to be, the whole yeah. thing <laughs> I said about the switch at that time was like, you got to use the regular season to experiment. And I think Vogel, like that's one of the best qualities that I think he'll, he'll bring um is doing that um and and like one a of that is just have Aiton out on the perimeter more not even switching but just can he blitz can he be more aggressive can you use him more like the best guys in the league are used between Draymond or Jaron or Bam and like I don't think Aiton's as good as those dudes but he can do that stuff because he's mobile um okay so the last the other quick thing that I had on the defensive end was how much do you think they use Booker as a primary wing defender? And this goes into some lineup stuff based on like who they're going to play. If they if they want to start somebody like a Kogi or if they just start a, a real point guard. But 
Do you think that's coming here? Because I just get worried when I hear he's going to be the point guard and he's going to be their stopper on the perimeter. It's like, all right, I mean, <laughs> you know, unless he's prime Michael Jordan, that's asking a lot. Yeah, I think just the wear and tear. I think if you ask Book to do it, he's one of those dudes who would be like, yeah, I'll do that. Especially he showed last playoffs that he was willing to do it all. Like he's willing to defend. He's willing to be a like really strong and great on-ball defender and kind of hassle you and then go down on offense. I just don't like the thought of him doing that all year. But I think there will be some games where Vogel's like, all right, yeah, like go in front of Jamal Murray. That's your dude today. Mm-hmm. And we'll just figure it out from there. But for like a long season thing, I don't want it to be that. And I think Okogi is like the reason or uh, uh, the dude from the Spurs. Uh, Bates Diop, yeah. Bates, yeah, Bates Diop. I think sometimes it's just going to be him. Like I think it's going to be able to switch between Okogi and Bates Diop because the, we got some rangy dudes now that will hassle you. Yeah, yep. All right, what's your uh, what's your question? Next one. Um, I kind of have two. Well, my main one is – Will Kevin Young just kind of run the same stuff and just be like, we have Bill out there now. And that's just the shots were open before. They've always been open. We just didn't make them. Let's just run the same stuff. The offense wasn't terrible. We just took a lot of mid-ranges and we got math to death, like Mm -hmm. a lot. (laughs) And I just wonder if he's just going to run a lot of the same stuff and be like, we have shooters out there now. We have Bill out there now. Let's keep running the same stuff and just go from there and see if that works. Or does he have his own system that he thinks works better that he's like always been trying to work through and like put on the floor. And the other one is Aiton's going to get some really good switches. He's going to have to get doubled. Is he going to be a better passer this year? Mm. If Aiton is a willing and better passer, I think this offense will hum like (laughs) never before. I think what a willing passer and just like, just knowing where it's coming from whenever Aiton felt the double and he would find the corner passes. Like that was when this offense was at its best. And I want to see if with the shooters and the scores that he has out there right now, will he be willing to do that? Because if he is, then this offense is going to be really good. Okay. So the first one first, I think that's a good question. Like the, especially the last part of what you said of like, is there actually something different with Kevin young that we haven't seen or is it going to be just incremental kind of changes from what they already were doing? And if you even go back further, it's it's not easy to tell because you go back to he was on the staff with Bruce uh, with Brett Brown in Philly, and like their offense is underachieved a lot. But it's like well they had a six yeah. ten <laughs> dude who didn't want to shoot as their point guard, right? And like we know how that all played out with with uh, Ben Simmons. So okay, you can't really say what, you know, they were running the Kevin Young offense or he'll take from that because that wasn't ideal either. And then with Monty, he obviously had his his ways about him and that wasn't really going to change. And when it did, it was like news, you know, Monty was like, guys, he got me to to commit to offensive rebounding. You want to like, you know, hear about that? And it was like, all right, like, it sounds (laughs) like you maybe should have been doing that already. Um, but so I don't know, I I think there will be some changes, but it's also going to be whole, whole new personnel as tempted as I am to just say like the offense is going to be fine. And even if they just isolated a bunch, like the Nets did with Kyrie and KD, I also don't think you pay Kevin Young a bunch of money and, and like, you know, advertise how much how committed you were to keeping him if that's all you're going to do. So I am interested to see how much offense they run, like legit just that and also what it <laughs> yeah. looks like. Um, as far as Aiton goes, 
I think you're completely right. I think the passing has always been kind of one of the untapped parts. I think he overpassed at times too, which was like the head scratching part of it. Cause it's like, well, yeah. hold on. <laughs> you're, you're not doing it in certain spots, but then you're doing it in other spots. Like what's going on. And I think that does just speak to the mentality aspect of this and whatever it, it is a, a com- <laughs> it's like a comp. It's always an overly complicated conversation with that guy. But I think there is something to be said for a fresh voice, not only just, whatever empowerment and all those different things that might come along here. But there's also something to be said for the refresh and reset of like, I think there's a chance for Vogel to just come in here and look at Aiton and be like, you know, your job, like (laughs) it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like you score when you have an opportunity to score, you're a great passer pass to our guys. You're going to anchor the defense. You're going to operate with these kind of like core principles as a defender. And I trust you. Whereas it, I, I, I think there was an, it couldn't get away from the fact I think with Aiton before where he just was the baby. You know what I mean? It's like he had like the little brother stuff going on and between Chris and Monty, I'm sure it was always like, what now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Okay. I'm not passing enough. All right, let me go. Let me go out there and start passing more. Like, okay. You want me to score. Now you want me to score. I never get to score. Now I have to, you know, I, I do sort of get that element of it. I'm not making excuses, but people are human. So I think that's going to be interesting on the eight inside is just if, if a guy comes in who just says like, it's your job, do it. Like we'll win. Yeah. I think that could go a long way. <laughs> yeah. I think like, there's still going to be some hurdles. Like I think the the beginning of the season, they're going to try to make eight and happy to get his shots up and stuff like that. But it's not going to be like a Chris Paul situation where he's, he passes up a three to get the ball back inside. And even though like the three was set up for him to shoot, like I think if Bill's open, it's going up. If KD's open, it's going up. If book is open, it's going up. It's not going to be like one of those, like, no, let's pass for the better shot. Like we're getting shots up now. And it's not going to be a lot of Chris Paul situations where shots are being passed up because if it's open, you got to let it fly. Yeah. And like the other thing besides like the mentality and like personal personality stuff of people like Monty and Chris, I guess it kind of goes hand in hand, but they were just so like precious about offense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I'm sure if it's Aiton and and he does like get the ball on the short roll and he, he passes it to the guy who's kind of open instead of the guy who is fully open, then he hears about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's like, they're just <laughs> such micromanagers. So they worked together really well, but I do think that there's dudes who just didn't, whether it's Jay or it's JaVale, who apparently was like a deal breaker with that Dallas offer for <laughs> Aiton and like all these different guys who have come through where it's like something was off there. So it's not just Aiton, I guess is what I'm saying, which I think a lot of people kind of talk about it as if it is just him. All right, let's go to our last question here before we close things out. First, a quick break. All right, coming back here, last questions coming off of Suns Free Agency. 16 players on this roster, plus Saban Lee hanging out there as a two-way guy. We pretty much know what this team will look like. What is on our minds? I'll uh, let you close us out here, Aaron. What is your final lingering question? Um, Do we want, like, one more wing? Like, we have the – like, we have the – chance to kind of do whatever we want at this point roster wise we got another ball handler with eric gordon which i love like we have uh, a lot of wings we have wings that can shoot maybe a backup big but i think that it's gonna be uh eubanks mm-hmm. 
sometimes like i think we have like variety when it comes to that too we can go smallish kind of big so yeah I, like we have so much variety to be able to decide on this last roster spot i want to know if we're going to be more offensive minded or if vogel just wants more length more range mm-hmm. like that's mostly like my biggest question on the last spot yeah yeah and just to remind people like ish wainwright's contract is only partially guaranteed and um you know there's some of these minimum guys who weren't well really just like Isaiah Todd, basically Um, Jordan Goodwin, potentially the guys who came over in the Beal trade could be cut and it's just money at the end of the day. So they're allowed to do that. So there is some flexibility. They kind of have to at least cut one guy now that they added uh, the second round pick Kamara on a full contract. So (laughs) that's kind of where we're at with the roster stuff. Obviously um, you know, there's a couple, two ways left. There's a a few ways they could do this. It's probably not going to be, a great, great player, unless we're talking about a pain or a, an eight and trade that's really going to, you know, be a surefire guy to break into the rotation. But you never know. Stuff happens. The way that I was looking at it was a point guard. That was my question on the roster side because I've seen that a lot among Suns fans. And I kind of get it. Like, pain is obviously inconsistent. I think in terms of size and defensive intensity, he's probably not what you're looking for there. I mean, he fits with yeah. the, he fit, fit well with the last coach's style. I'm not sure he fits as well with Vogel's style. Um, Goodwin does fit that, but seems like his shot, even in his kind of breakout year last year, was still pretty inconsistent, and he's, he's a super young guy. So, you know, are you telling me he's going to be in the playoff rotation for a championship team? Like, it could happen, but I'm not saying it's going to happen. Saban yeah. Lee, two-way. If he comes back on that, and obviously, you know, not a lock to, to make a difference on the team. And I just think like Booker, Gordon, and Beal, they're obviously not pure point guards. They can do it, but they're, we talked about it with Booker as a defender. All three of those guys are going to be asked to score. I don't know if you want them to also have to kind of be setting the table at all times. And in theory, it's nice to say like, oh, it'll be a different person every night or it'll be a different person every possession. It's like, okay, but that's that's uncomfortable you know what i mean to be like (laughs) who's our who's our initiator who's even like who's gonna go under the basket to receive the inbounds pass like it's just you want it to be second nature you don't want it to always be thought about um but then you look at who the free agents are and it's like uh george hill ish smith uh it just is easier to find like raw kind of high high ceiling options to try out on that wing and forward or even big man spot. So it is a good question. Yeah. They might just wait. Yeah. yeah, I can see us waiting. Like you don't want there to be questions about the position where the ball is going to be in that guy's hand every time. It's like having a question at quarterback. Like you don't know who your quarterback is. You don't know what your team is pretty much. We know who our point guard is though, but I don't want book to just become a point guard. Then it just takes away from a, one of the best things he's at in the league. Mm -hmm. So like when Bill sits and I like kind of our options, if they're still going to let book kind of start off seconds with the bench or that I'm also interested in stuff like that. Like Mm -hmm. is book going to start off with the bench and Eric Gordon and still run point or it's going to be like, Eric Gordon, you get to run point now Mm -hmm. or Shem or um, if campaign is going to run point book, you finally get to move to two and we'll go from there. Like kind of things. I want to know how they're going to switch this up to where's book doesn't have to, not be the best shooting guard in the league sometimes yeah Yeah, exactly it's like you know it was cool when Harden started having the ball all the time but 
it's tiring. And he was also pretty nice as a six man scorer. Like, you know, you're always, it's, yeah. it's give and take, even if one option is awesome. It's like, you might as well explore what that player can fully do, not just make them do something because you built the roster in a certain way or, you know, cause it's the easiest answer. So I like the way they've built the, with the versatility in mind right now. So I hope they can continue to do that. I don't know if that's going to mean that they add somebody or if it just means, you know, maybe Beal actually has the ball as an initiator more than we're expecting, even though we know Book is better at that or Durant does, for all we know. I don't yeah. didn't love the dribbling that I saw there at the end of the season from him, <laughs> so maybe not. But, you know, it can be anybody, and I hope it doesn't just become Book because it's like, well, that's like the nicest, tidiest part of this. Um, just since we're on the topic, do you think this is one thing I haven't heard talked about or I haven't really thought about it a lot, but we were all clamoring for Durant at the five, like from the minute the trade happened. And, and obviously Monty didn't really ever do that, but I don't really know Vogel will either. What do you think? Do you think we see Katie at the five more or less the same? I can see depending on like the team, we will obviously wouldn't do something like that against Denver, but depending on the team, like, like you said, when we got Eric Gordon, he's going to close out some games. Like he's going to be good with spacing. He can handle the ball. He can get to the basket. Not as much like when he was younger, but I think having that option of dudes that can handle the ball and it doesn't like stagger your offense and like slow it down. That's going to be like a really speedy, good, great scoring lineup with KD at the five and Eric Gordon out there. So yeah, sometimes it's just going to, that's when kind of those moments when book is probably going to have to be like, the guy on defense is when we go with lineups like that yeah. because the scoring is not going to be a problem. Like we just need somebody to hassle their best player and get the offense going. Yeah, it's it's interesting because obviously Aiton can switch, so maybe that means less ne- less necessity to have KD at the five because you can go to that lineup even with your normal starting unit. Yeah, but like pain, not so much even like a Kogi, not really like he's more of a guard defender, even though he seems like, like he got benched when Kawhi was going off. Right. Like that kind of tells you all you need to know. Um, and then the the real question to me, I think Beal's going to be fine. Like team defender, just rotating, doing, you know, being where he needs to be. I think he's going to be fine if he's guarding like the second or third best perimeter guy. I'm not worried about that, but I don't really know if he's going to be a switchable player. Um, to be honest. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's going to be those games where Luca's like, switch until I get him. And can he handle those type of games where it's like Luca or Kyrie, like, getting the switch they want, like, hunting it until they get it, no matter the shot clock. And can he hold up in moments like that? Yeah. Yeah, and you're not going to bench him, right? Like, I'm not trying to say, like, yeah. uh, four months yeah. before basketball <laughs> starts, like, Beal's not going to close games for the Suns. Of course he is, because this team's <laughs> going to be an offensive team, first and foremost. But... I'm interested to see like the the best defensive lineup when it's all said and done might be something like, you know, Booker, Okogi, Bates, Diop, Durant, eight or something, you know, like that might yeah. statistically end score. up being the best kind of defensive units and Beal might not be on the court for those. Maybe even Durant isn't on the court for those. Maybe it's some of those second unit stuff, stuff that you were just talking about. But again, it speaks to kind of like the versatility that they have to, they can have a great defensive unit. They can have a great offensive unit. They can mix and match. They have the pieces that are interchangeable. Yeah. I think having, I think we're going to have a seven or eight. I think Vogel, he's not going to do the money stuff where we have a 14th and the 14th player out there. He's like, I'm trying everything. I think Vogel will find his eight 
fairly quick. And it's just going to be kind of tinkering from there when like crunch time really comes. But Vogel seems one of those guys that he's going to find a seven or eight. And when playoffs start, it's going to be just that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, more time to talk about it as the off season goes along. And as we get toward like previewing things, but um, people have made valid points. Cause I went through like the Denver versus Phoenix, LA versus Phoenix stuff in a previous show this week. And a lot of people were like, you're really trying to call Denver deeper than the Suns after this? And I'm like, okay, point taken. Like, I'm actually not sure <laughs> if you're just talking about a playoff series where it's like, whose eight guys are better. I mean, the Nuggets, like, they're, they're six through eight right now are almost all young dudes at this point. So yeah. that's not, I mean, not even almost. They are all young dudes, unless Reggie Jackson has, like, a rejuvenation because they paid him a bunch of money, you know? So... I don't I don't know if it actually is all that different at this point and no, nobody in the west is like crazy deep at this point after this offseason. So even though it's even though it's minimums and young dudes like the Suns might actually be in that conversation if if a few of these guys hit and I feel pretty good that they will. So we'll see. But that'll wrap us up for the day. More summer league content throughout the weekend and obviously these trades are going to go down at some point. I'll have you covered on how they impact the Suns. What is that Western Conference power ranking now? and much more as we keep going through July and beyond. Hit follow or subscribe wherever you find podcasts. Just search Locked on Suns on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform, and I will catch you guys tomorrow.